You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We're in this series this fall called Things Jesus Never Said because we want to break down some common misunderstandings like Rachel was talking about. Um, in American culture, I think that a lot of things that Jesus, a lot of Jesus things get kind of lumped in with um, general cultural religious stuff. And often it's very different and sometimes even polar opposite of what Jesus was actually going for. So we want to we want to have this season to kind of zone in on like, well, who is Jesus and what was he actually saying? Because we want to know him better and what he's actually inviting us to. So we're going to try and cut down um, the web of misunderstanding so we can get more free. And tonight it's about being a good person. Lots of people think that God just wants us to be good because our parents and our teachers have worked so hard to instill this in us, right? Be a good person. So when I I think about being a good person, I think about what my dad has taught me. And um, it's not... It's not all bad by any means. In fact, it has prepared me for life in a lot of good ways. Um, My dad came to Philly on Friday to see my kids and I, and he comes like every month or so because he loves to go to BombBomb on Wolf Street and get some good Italian food. And he knows, I think he knows more people who work there and in the neighborhood than I do. He's just that kind of guy. He's He's like a big teddy bear. Anyway, he was wearing a T-shirt that had this John Wayne saying on it that he said to me all the time growing up. And um, people now, he has these sayings, and people now, like, give him T-shirts that, like, I don't know, so he can, like, wear the thing that he is always saying. But anyway, life's hard. It's a lot harder if you're stupid was something my dad often said to us. not not thinking of stupid like intellectual disability because um, he is a pretty compassionate guy. Josh, is this like, am I making, am I echoing in this? Which I do. Okay, thank you. Um, anyway, he's he's talking, he was always trying to talk to us about doing the right thing. You know, like, like it's stupid to not do the right, or to do, if you do the wrong thing when you know the right thing to do, like, duh. That's what he was trying to say. Um, and my siblings and I were soldiers. He's a military guy, too. We were, like, soldiers in this school of financial planning and um, respecting our elders and working hard and... Um, cleaning up and doing our chores, you know, all the good things that um, parents are supposed to teach their kids. And as the oldest, it was it was especially important for me to set an example. He was really expecting me 
to do that. And so I often heard things like this, too. Um, he always talked about clipping our wings. I'm going to clip your wings if we thought we were, if he thought we were, um, I don't know, getting a little too wild or unfocused. Um, and we laugh about this now, of course. He, and he always said, cooperate and graduate. I don't know what that means, really, but it was like cooperate and graduate was the, the formula. And then fall in line. You better just get with the program. I, I learned that I was supposed to be very responsible. And um, like I had to learn how to change before I could get my driver's license, which I got on my 16th birthday. I wasn't waiting a day for that. But I had to learn how to change the oil in the car and change a tire and do, do everything. Um, but there was this, there was also this stuff in there that like, this patriarchal stuff in there that I think is, you know, still exists all over the world that if I, um, if I acted like too much as a woman, that was not cool. I, I, I needed to like shut up and smile and make people happy and do the right thing. Um, and that often involved letting men lead. And um, when each, and, and really, like, I love and forgive my dad. So, like, this is just funny to me now. I realized it felt so serious when I said it at the five. And I, I don't mean it to come across this way. But when my, when, when my when each of our husbands, I have two sisters, when each of them asked, you know, for our hands in marriage, my, the first thing my dad said to them was, each of them, are you sure? Because he, um, was worried that we were all not really submissive enough and a little too headstrong. So, Again, I can laugh about this now. This is who he is, and um, he's growing and stuff a lot. But this was the school of goodness that I got trained in. It was it was a school that sort of upholds the status quo. And as far as I can tell, I, I think the most commonly held belief system in our culture um, is kind of about maintaining the status quo, too. Uh, sociologists call it moralistic therapeutic deism. So kind of this general, like, um, often unspoken spoken teaching that you, you just should be a nice person. You should be nice to other people and not rock the boat too much. You know, nobody wants to get called out. You just should um, be nice and try to be happy. It's very individualistic. Everybody should be kind of tolerant, not judging, not judging each other, even though people judge each other all the time. Um, you should, you know, I think this, this religious system just encourages people to kind of keep their head down and make their, make a little comfortable life for themselves, um, as comfortable as possible. And, um, there might be this idea that God somehow has this scale of like, if you do more good things than bad things, you'll go to heaven or something like that. Or, or it's kind of like karma. 
if you do good things, good things will happen to you, which we know is not true. We have this overlay of belief in the culture that I, that, that it should be. Um, and I think it often just serves to maintain the status quo. And I, I put this label, I was looking at this bottle of hemp juice in a coffee shop the other day, and I put this label up there, even though it's too hard to read, because the, the word that stuck out there to me was homeostasis. Um, I'm not like, I am not against the legalization of marijuana or anything like that. Um, but it's, it was interesting to me that, um, you know, the goal of drinking this drink is to put your body in a state of, of contentment with the way things are. Um, which again, contentment's not the worst thing, but it would, seem like a way better to me idea to me if there weren't hurting people all around us if there weren't unjust systems in our world that serve a privileged few you know contentment would be fine as a goal all the time if there weren't like downtrodden and oppressed and lonely people all around and among us and even in ourselves I think around Circle of Hope, we, we know that, um, I don't think we're buying into this too much, thank God. I think we know that the boat needs to be rocked. Um, Claire certainly knows that. That the status quo is, Jesus doesn't call us to just maintain the status quo. It, um, it needs to be changed. As hard as it is to change, we try to do that. And so, Lots of you, I know you, you're doing lots of good things to change the world all the time. And this is really good. But I think that being a person who does good all the time um, puts us in a different kind of danger where we might, we might find our identity and our security in that, um, in thinking that our goodness saves us or makes us better than others or makes us more right you know, politically or whatever. Um, so whether it's in saving the environment or being in recovery or giving money to certain charities or only eating organic food or advocating for certain kinds of social change, I think a lot of people put, put on goodness like that as kind of a defense system um, that might protect them from being, from being, bad or being called out and and that goodness can give us a, a sense of power that i think protects us from being like really known in in our vulnerability and weakness and and being known by each other and by god my kids and i were laughing at this scene in the movie um scott pilgrim versus the world this weekend um because there's this villain in the movie who is vegan and he has these powers from being vegan. And this is no shade to vegan people because I think it's great to be vegan. It saves the earth. It's great for your body. Um, but I like how the movie, movie creators recognize the silliness of like inventing another holiness code, um, that could, you know, think, help us think that we're more powerful than others or better than others. So here it is.
your thoughts. Your will is broken. You're through. What say we drink to my memory? Fair trade blend with soy milk? Huh. I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. Dude, I can see in your mind's eye that you put half and half into one of those coffees in an attempt to make me break vegan edge. I'll take the one with soy. Thanks, Tool. Actually, muchacho, I poured the soy in this cup, and I thought real hard about pouring it in that cup. You know, in my mind's eye or whatever. What are you talking about? You just drank half and half, baby. Freeze! Vegan police! Vegan police! Todd Ingram, you're under arrest for veganity violation. Code number 827. Five and a half and a half. It's bull roar! No vegan diet, no vegan powers! But, but... It's only my first offense, so don't I get three strikes? I mean, take it. At 12.27 a.m. on February 1st, you knowingly ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. On April 4th, 7.30 p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. <gasps> chicken isn't vegan? The de-vegan eggs, Ray. Hit him! <laughs> Veganist made his hair really awesome. You once were a vegan, but now you will be gone. Vegan. And then the, the vegan police like high five each other on the way out the door. Anyway, Jesus, on a more serious note, Jesus talked to a man, a young man one time that was also feeling pretty good about his goodness. Um, and he really was good. He was doing all the right things. Um, and even with his privilege and wealth, he was seeking God. How admirable was that? Just like you and I are here tonight seeking God. And so um, let me read you the story here from Matthew's Gospel. A man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. I think that last part was really what he couldn't do. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So this young man who was so good, who was doing all the right things, even being spiritual about it, walked away sad because he couldn't follow Jesus. He couldn't get up and follow. And I think this moment clearly shows that following Jesus is way more than doing anything right. 
It's way more than doing the right stuff. Jesus is like calling us into a whole different zone here. And it's even more than giving away all your possessions. I don't think that, I don't think that's like a blanket prescription for everybody. I think that Jesus used that extreme call to poverty with that guy because he knew that it was the way to his heart for that guy. The transformation that Jesus wants to work in us frees us from our fears and attachments that are substitutes for our real needs and desires. So this poor guy couldn't get to his real needs and desires because he was so used to relying on these substitutes for his identity and his security, his sense of status and power in the world. Jesus was calling him into this relationship of trust and dependence on God that he couldn't receive because he was so dependent on himself. So the healing and freedom that Jesus wants to work in the world doesn't rely on our goodness. If you ever feel like it does, go back and read this story. I think it's hard for us to actually believe that. It doesn't rely on our goodness. And in fact, our goodness can get in the way if we think that that's going to save us or protect us from judgment or make us happy. We can't feel good enough to save us. I love that all of the great acts of faith in the Bible and in the world now, I think, are are done by people who are desperate more than they are self-satisfied. So Jesus is working on something way deeper and bigger and better than being good or nice or right. So being a woman with my family background, I was so moved by the new Mary Magdalene movie um, and particularly this one scene in it that I'm going to show you. I don't know if you've seen it yet, it, um, but Jesus and his disciples, Mary Magdalene is one of the disciples, And they come upon a group of women who are asking about what they need to do to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus' answer, I think, really surprises them because it's not about being good to maintain the status quo. waiting. Look. What shall I teach? Are we so different from men? You must teach us different things. We are women. Our lives are not our own. Your spirit, your own. And you alone answer for that. And your spirit is precious to God. As precious as that of your husband or your father. Then who should we obey? If God commands one thing. But our husbands, our fathers, tell us another. 
We must follow God. So are we to defy them and leave our lives behind? Yes. Though they judge you, persecute you, but you must forgive them. Obviously, we're in a different time. Um, but every single time I watch that, I kind of want Jesus to say, it's okay. It's okay. I know how hard it is to go against the flow, so just do whatever you need to do to get along. You know, just be good wives and mothers and make your life as comfortable as you can for your little families, um, because I know it's hard, and God will reward you for doing what's right in people's eyes. But Jesus does not say that. He is such a baller. He says, no, you're going to have to swim upstream, and it's going to be costly, and some of you will lose your lives but you must live in the freedom that God calls you to and in the value of who, who you are, like who I've made you to be, not, not what anybody else says about your place in the world. Jesus is calling them up to know their value and to act accordingly. And so he doesn't let any of us off the hook by... Um, any of the ways that the world might oppress us and try to keep us down. He's saying, no, you're still called to serve God. You answer to me. And by the way, that means you, you must forgive the people who mistreat you and think less of you. So following Jesus is upside down. It is not about being good by the world's standards because that's like way too tiny. It's a call to revolution through a life that is way deeper and more powerful. We've got to tap into some real love to be able to do this. So if Jesus doesn't say be a good person, what does he actually say? Because this season I really want to not just talk about these misunderstandings and cliches, but like let's learn, let's learn what Jesus actually says um, and what he's doing. And what he actually says is like, so you might think it's so much worse than be a good person. Because he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. In other words, like, um, be like God. And at first glance, these words are super triggering to me because I know what it's like to strive to be that way by worldly standards. And it really tired me out for the first two decades of my life. It's impossible. But Jesus is talking about something very different and way better. Um, because the word perfect there actually means whole and complete. And Jesus says elsewhere many times that we find our wholeness and completion in him and in his love. Um, so this is impossible to do, yes, without him and his love. 
So he's calling us into this trust in his goodness and provision for our salvation. And so the invitation to the Christian life is this dependence and reliance on him. It's not a call to be a good person, but to be dependent on God's goodness in us. So I was feeling really terrible about myself in the other night, like in the middle of the night, as I am sometimes prone to do. I was just aware of my limitations, and I felt the Holy Spirit get real serious with me um, and real clear that, that he or she, that God is bigger than any of my mistakes and failures and perceived limitations and that I'm called to be radically on my own side, like Jesus is on mine and each of yours. So how in the world can we continue to stand in judgment of ourselves when Jesus himself is not? You know, it's miraculous that we would be given such grace and still insist on not taking it sometimes. We must take it. Jesus says, you are already good because of the word I have spoken to you. You're already good. You're, clo- you're literally clothed in my righteousness. You are perfect because my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So we're not called to be good. We're called to be in love. In the love of Christ and, and extending it to others. I've always loved this poem by the Jesuit priest, Friar Pedro Arupe, who describes the call to be in love with God as the practical foundation for all of life. Our response to God's love is worth giving everything for. All of our hearts, all of our money, all of our time, everything, our whole selves. Jesus doesn't just ask us to be good as if that um, tiny thing is like indicative of who we are and what we're worth. He asks us to be his, to belong to him. So, um, Joe, can you read this poem? Can you see that? Can you read it out loud for us? Okay. Annie, can you read it for us? I think it's more practical than finding God. And falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, who you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and we'll decide everything. Thank you. So I put the picture of Christopher getting baptized there last summer because I think the way that we practically express this wild and all-consuming love of God is in demonstrating it to each other and to the powers of the world. Christopher's baptism demonstrates his belonging to Jesus. That's why we baptize each other, to say, 
Jesus, we, we know that you came into the waters of our mess. You got, you got into the waters like Rachel was talking about. And you, um, that's how much you wanted to identify with us. And so we identify with you as a person, as that ultimate image of the divine in us. Jesus became, God becomes a person so we can see the image of God in each of us and, and, and trust him enough for our life and for our transformation. So by, in baptism, we're saying we trust you more, Jesus, than we trust our own goodness or anything else. And we extend that covenant of love with God to each other. Um, in Circle of Hope, we're having a love feast in two weeks to welcome some people decide to like make a covenant with each other. And, um, we're having a feast in two weeks to welcome others who want to get into that. Um, and you might want to do that as a practical expression of your love for God and the goodness that you want Him to unleash in the world. We're, we're in on that goodness together. Um, but our identity and security and foundation and glory is in Christ's love, like we were singing about, and in our partnership with him. So you'll probably feel that at the feast if you can join us. But my suggestion, just in closing, yeah, closing, is that um, being whole in Christ like Jesus is calling us to be perfect as our Father is perfect, to be, to be whole and complete, um, is really this call to freedom, to ask for what we need, um, to know that Jesus has already made us good and that we're free to live in that freedom and help other people do the same, to, to take more risks in love, um, so it's, it's an invitation to nurture, nurture the, our love life with God, make covenants with each other, make promises. You know, we're free even to make promises that are going to require the Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us keep. We're free to take risks like that because we don't have to be good at it. Um, the love of Christ gives us this eternal and lifelong security that we can keep growing into and taking more risks in love. And there are lots of ways to do that. Um, you might even decide to reach out to somebody who's like grumpy all the time and acts like they hate you. They might not actually hate you as much as you think they do. Um, See if your love can't get through their defense system. Or put yourself in situations with people who are not like you. Like we're talking a lot this season about being ambassadors, um, getting into other zones, kind of beyond our own comfort zones. I think that's something Jesus is always doing. Trust God to help you through the discomfort of that moment. There are lots of ways to take risks in love. And Jesus already makes us good, so we're free to do that. Um, and we might be misunderstood. 
Like I was thinking of lots of people who did this in the Bible and beyond, like loved extravagantly, because I think that's the invitation here. Like, remember Mary poured out the perfume, the expensive perfume, and I was thinking of St. Francis, like stripping down naked in front of his whole town, um, rejecting his father's wealth because he was safe and free in Christ to just follow God. Yeah, people did really wild things. So you you might be misunderstood too if you actually um, if we actually keep listening to the call of freedom in Christ. But I think we should keep keep going for it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop down at circleofhope.net.